Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Phoebe, my wife and I, we're, we're big goal setters. We love setting goals. We love the rollover of the calendar, putting the new calendar up on the wall and going, yes, it's a new year. We've got new goals. And um, we, this is the second year that we have brought our children into it. So seven-year-old boy, four-year-old boy um, and a dog now. The dog's got goals. He doesn't escape the goal setting process for the year. He needs to put on a bit of weight. Um, and uh, stop digging holes in the yard so because he needs to maintain his status as a good boy. Um, but uh, last year we, we put a couple of little goals uh, down on the, on the uh, paper for our boys and this year we've done the same. We've got a, a whiteboard now and uh, we were sitting around the dinner table the other night and a seven-year-old um, was we were at we we're at the stage where we were making the goals for him, and we have a, a set of monkey bars in our backyard, and he hasn't been able to do it. He thinks that they're too high, they're too hard, and uh, and I agree a little bit there. But um, but he's a seven-year-old boy, and we thought, all right, we've got a goal for him, and so we said, mate, this year, year 2024 is going to be the year of the monkey bars. And, uh, and so we, we kept working out some goals uh, throughout that conversation and then just without a moment's notice, without a word, without anything, he just gets down from the dinner table and goes outside and, and, he, and he climbs up onto the monkey bars and he just starts swinging so easily along the monkey bars. And we, we follow him out and we, we watch him complete this, this row of monkey bars. And Phoebe and I look at each other and we're like, have you ever seen him do that? Like, has he just chosen a goal that he's actually been, knew that he could achieve? And he's just put it on the whiteboard and he's like, all right, tick that off. And, uh, but it was, it was in that moment that we realised uh, that this is how God wants us to live. That he wants us to be able to think about something that scares us a little bit and requires a bit of faith and encouragement from other people and to actually get out and do it. Like to not outthink it, uh, to not to think ourselves out of it, to not find excuses, but to actually just go and have a crack, to listen to the people encouraging us and to listen to what's, what's working on the inside and to actually jump over our fears and actually have a go. Because we're more capable than we think we are. And with God, we can do amazing things. Does anyone believe that this morning? Yeah. So this morning, I want to share from a a passage in the Old Testament from Joshua 3, and we're going to analyse this story. Could I get a bit of water up here, please? I'm just a little bit parched already. It's the hot weather, I think. Um, So Joshua 3. So what what happens in Joshua 3, right? The Israelites have moved out of Egypt and the the mantle of leadership has changed from Moses to Joshua and he's trying to work out. Thank you, Stinger. Appreciate that. Um, And the mantle of leadership has changed to Joshua. And in Joshua 3, they, um, they arrive at the Jordan River. And they set up camp and, and they believe that the promised land is on the other side, which it is. 
And so um, in Joshua 3, the priests uh, are told to carry the ark across into the promised land. Now, for those of you who, uh, who don't understand this concept, the ark of the covenant was like, this is how I picture it. It's like, you know how people used to carry a coffin out of, of funerals on their shoulders? We don't do that anymore. But it's kind of like that. So the priests of Israel would carry a, a big box and the box would house the presence of God. So they're carrying God metaphorically and physically into uh, the area that they're called into by God, the promised land. And so we we pick up this story in Joshua 3 and uh, we're starting from chapter 2. So they're, they're camping next to the Jordan River. It says, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never travelled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now, if you're, you're not across Old Testament purification rituals, that's okay. Neither am I. But basically what the scriptures here are saying is that we need to manage our sin, give it to God and, and become closer to him. That's what the passage is encouraging uh, the Israelites to do. And so it's like, it's like if you were to enter someone's house with dirty shoes. It's like God saying, take your dirty shoes off before you come into the promised land. You need to clean up before you come into this space. And so we're going to skip a few verses and go to verse 13. So the next morning, the priests are told to go to the banks of the Jordan River. In verse 13, it says, The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Cool. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed, As the people passed by, they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground in the riverbed. Isn't that cool? That's a cool story. Um, Have you ever been told by someone, trust me, I know how to get there? And they usually say that just after they've turned down a street that's off that blue line on the GPS, or it looks like it goes nowhere. And they've just said, trust me, I know how to get there. How many blokes in the room have said that to their wives before? Yeah, and how many wives have rolled their eyes? Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, That's totally okay. I feel like the Israelites would have been like that at this point that they've walked for 40 years, they've seen generations come and go, they're just about in the promised land, they can see it over the river. Now the Jordan River isn't actually that big. I've actually been there, I was a 13 year old and I went there and I stood at the Jordan River and thought, 
I could actually throw a cricket ball over here and land it on the other side. Like, it's not that much bigger than the peel, just to put it in perspective. Um, it's not this amazing, ginormous, beautiful river. It's actually underwhelming as a river. Uh, but I know that there's some pretty cool things that have happened there over time. But the Israelites arrive there and they set up this camp spot and they just know that the promised land is on the other side. It's literally a stone's throw away. And they stay there for three days and Joshua tells them to purify themselves because you're just about to finally enter the promised land after 40 years. And then the priests start walking into the river. Now, how many of you, if you were an Israelite at that time, would think, hey, guys, you're going the wrong way. Let's find a bridge upstream. Um, let's try and build something over, at, over that. Let's just let's think this through before we actually start swimming through. Now, uh, in terms of the research I've done in harvest season, when the, when the Jordan has swelled, as it says, it burst its banks, it's a depth of three and a half metres. So, not, not too deep, but if you've never gone to, if you're an Israelite and you've never gone to swimming lessons before, which is all of them, you're a bit concerned at this stage, right? And so, and so they just, they're just about to learn that God does things differently. And they've seen it time and time again, but there's another stage in their walk into the promised land where they learn that God's ways are not our ways. Now, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I just imagine Joshua in this moment just getting this, this, this vision and direction from the Lord to actually cross the river, and God's promised that the river will be dry. And Joshua at this stage is a new leader and is working out how to take instruction from the Lord. And he's moving in faith and he's got these people who have been walking for 40 years and they need to be able to get into the promised land and everything hinges on his leadership and their purity in response to God. There's a lot at stake and a lot that could go wrong. Here's one point I want to make this morning. We need to step into the unknown. We need to actually step into the river. And when I talk about the unknown, what I mean is this. It's that point beyond where we can't see. It's, it's the, the dark spot. It's the no man's land. It's, you think you've got a bit of a picture or a vision of where we're going to go, but it's that point beyond that where you, you just don't know. That's the unknown. And so when God tells us to do something and he gives us one instruction, that unknown is the point beyond that instruction or that instruction just doesn't logically make sense. Step into the river and I'm going to make it stop flowing. That doesn't make sense, does it? But the Lord, the Lord's ways are different to our ways. And so the thing about the unknown is that even though we call it the unknown, it's actually known by God. And so when he says step into that space and we don't know exactly what will happen, we don't know, we know the risk because we think logically, but his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when he says step in, that's actually where we're right, where we're actually meant to be. And so when I read the book of Samuel, I look at this story about Samuel the prophet. And Samuel is told by God to go to the house of Jesse and anoint the new king of Israel. Now, what God is saying is, Samuel, 
I need you to commit treason because Saul is king at the moment and I need you to go and anoint some other guy without telling the actual king of Israel. And I'm not going to give you a name. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to go to the house of Jesse and, and anoint his son. And he's got quite a few sons. And so, so Samuel goes to the house of Jesse because he's a responsible prophet and he's responsive as a prophet. And he goes to the house of Jesse with his little jar of oil and, and he goes there and, and God just kind of sits with him in that moment and he meets all the sons of Jesse and then he, he's told that there's one more and he's, he's playing with the sheep, he's looking after the sheep, the youngest one, the ruddy one, as the scriptures call David. And, and then he says, and then God says, he's the one. And so... David, as a kid, is anointed by the prophet Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You know, the the force that swings the pendulum from our fear of the unknown to triumph in the known is our faith and our action. That's the only way that's going, that, the, that the pendulum is going to swing from fear to, to God's will being done. Faith and action. And it's immediate. There's immediate effect. So as soon as Samuel anointed David, the Holy Spirit came on David and that was Samuel's confirmation that he was correctly in the unknown. That he'd actually taken the right action that God called him to. Joshua 3.13, jumping back into this, this Jordan River story. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Not just before their feet go into stream, not just after their feet go into, stream, into the stream, but as soon as their feet. So God's not going to waste an instant as soon as we step out in faith. As soon as we do that, he's going to go, yep, I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. I'm going to stop the flow of the river for you. Last week, Pastor Daz preached um, a a cracking message and it was really wise the way he made this point about God-based dreams. He said, um, and I I need to read this, sorry, so that I don't misquote him. Um, He said that that when you start, you can either start something in your own strength and find out it was God telling you to do it or you can actually hear from God first and then start. So there's two starting points, either have a go, get into it, and then God goes, yep, that's the right way to do it, or actually start it and then, hang on, and then get in, and then get the confirmation from God. No, hang on. You know what I mean, yeah? Yeah? Anyway, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm trying to re-verbatim and then, um, anyway. But what I'm trying to say here is it doesn't matter how we start. It doesn't matter if you're a real go-getter, you like setting goals and then you, you wait for God to, to move in behind that. Or it doesn't matter if you actually sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to prompt you into a, an action or a thought or something to do. It doesn't matter what starts there. What matters is that you actually make that movement knowing that it is God or could be God. And then God will confirm that as soon as he needs to. As soon, And that is usually as soon as we take that action. 
just like when the priests step into the water, the flow of the river ceases. That's faith. That's when we step into the unknown and we know that God is moving. And so in this story in Joshua, the river wasn't the main thing that was the barrier between the Israelites and the promised land. No, it was actually their faith. Because as we know, the river, the river stood still and it dried out and they walked across the river on dry riverbed. So God, didn't, God, didn't, God, God can stop a river flowing just like that if he wants to. But he requires us to have the faith to step out and to actually respond to his call. And when we do that, he will move. But we need to remove sin to make room for God to move. It's not a nice sentence to talk about sin. I don't like talking about sin, but that's the reality of our human condition. We are sinful by nature and we need to be able to manage it, not ignore it, not deny it but manage it. And we manage it by handing it over to God, purifying ourselves and making sure that we are right with him and we're living in faith and stepping in faith. So if we want to see God move, if we want to see the miraculous happen, we want to make room for that, then we need to stop being the obstacle. Because because the Spirit of God is polite and the Spirit of God is not overbearing. He can do the miraculous by himself, but he does the miraculous through us. And if we want to see miracles in the house of God, we want to see miracles in our city, we want to see uh, people come to know Jesus, then, then our obstinance needs to be removed as the obstacle. We need to be able to remove our sin. We need to be able to remove our doubts and our fears and our worries and our confusion and just go, you know what, God, I'm stepping into the unknown. Please move through me. I know that this dream is of you and I need you to move as I respond to you. And he will always do that because he is waiting for us to renounce sin and to step out into what he has planned for us. Whether that's a little goal that we write on a whiteboard or whether that is actually taking on a dream step out into the river it's the same as driving over the port Stephen's cutting to to go into um, the promised land of promised land Macquarie or whatever you call it good on you guys we're cheering you on you know God is already there for with you he's already in the river and in this story of Joshua, they're told to stay about a half mile behind, not any, not any closer. He's very clear on that uh, in, in the scriptures. And so they weren't allowed to get ahead of God. Who's a doer? Who likes to actually get ahead, get things done? We'll worry about the consequences later. Well, God's, God's saying, that's fantastic. We'll love the action, but don't get ahead of me. Don't force things. Because God will do things in his own time. And he'll do it immediately as soon as he needs us to. Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold, I, I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, gets into the river first before the Israelites go in. It's like God saying, I'm right in the river with you. Come with me. I'm right in amongst your problem today. 
Come with me. I'm right in amongst your fear. Come with me. I'm right in amongst your confusion. Come with me. I'm right in amongst the dream, the plans that I have for you. Come in with me. God invites us into that space, into the unknown. He is already there. So whatever doubts or fears we have about the plans he has for us or the ideas we have about how we're going to serve God, we don't need to worry because he is already there. You're going to start a new business this year? He's already there. You're going to start a new relationship or decide to forgive someone who's hurt you? He's already there and he's inviting us in to live bigger and to live large and to actually walk across a dry riverbed where we saw a river and an obstacle right there. He's actually saying, I'm here with you. I want you in here with me. I am the God who's going to fight for you. My ways are not your ways and I'm going to bring you through this. Come in, come with me. This is the God that we serve. He doesn't stand behind you and go, Go in there. Good luck, champ. He doesn't do that. No, he's actually in there already. And he's saying, come in with me. There are people here today that need to be told that you're ready. Whatever, whatever you're thinking about doing, you're ready. And you're ready because God is there and he's going to help you in whatever pursuit he's put on your heart. You know, in our society, we love to use the word willpower. We love a bit of willpower, don't we? Willpower stops us from eating chocolate at night time. It gets us up on the first alarm, not the fourth alarm. Who loves a bit of willpower? Willpower is a human concept. I don't read about willpower when I read the Bible. When I read the book of Joshua, I read time and time again to be strong and to be courageous. See, willpower comes within. It's my will. I'm going to get enough. I, I feel like willpower is like, remember like 15 years ago when you go on YouTube and we had early broadband and it wasn't all that fast. And so you'd wait for the white bar to get a little bit further on than the red bar as the video was loading. And then you'd just kind of click play and wait for the red bar to get to the white bar and then it would buffer. Like, I feel like willpower is that white bar. It's just that little bit further than what you need. It's one more set at the gym. It's one less piece of chocolate. It's, it's, like, it's just that little bit more. But the scriptures don't use the word willpower. It talks about being strong and it talks about being courageous. And that means that not waiting for, for you to feel like doing something, it actually says just do it through strength and courage because God is in the middle of it. Strength and courage is not quantifiable. And so when we take on that strength and courage, we make our way into the unknown. That's when God actually kicks in and takes over. And then we kick it up a notch. And so we read in this, in this story that they cross, that the Israelites cross the Jordan River and they go across a dry riverbed and they enter the promised land for the first time ever. And there's joy. And then in Joshua 4, the next chapter, verses 1 to 7, we'll read it from here. When all the people had crossed the, the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen. 
one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. You know what I love about this story? is that it's a really cool miracle. It's, it's the, the fact that a river stopped flowing, that's cool. The fact that the Israelites finally got to the promised land, that's cool. What I love about this story is really obscure. And that there's, there's 12 people, 12 people that were chosen by Joshua for no apparent reason, according to the Scriptures, to mark it and to move on. So they mark this event with 12 stones. And then they move on. And if you keep flicking through Joshua, the next thing that happens is the the fall of Jericho. And it's a very familiar story to a lot of people. Even unchurched people have heard the, the story of the fall of Jericho. So you mark the God event and you move on. And you can be wowed and, you, and, and we should praise God about the good stuff that happens. But then you mark it and then you move on because something bigger, something better, something awesome is going to happen again. The more that we stay, the more that, when we, the, the more that we work our way into the unknown, the more that we respond to God, the more big stuff happens. And so that's my hope and prayer for our church community this year is that we keep seeing these moments whereby we're amazed at what God does. And then we mark it and then we move on to the next thing, expecting God to move more, move more often, move bigger, move through more people, move in greater ways, move in more miraculous ways because that's the same God that stopped the Jordan River flowing. And He might sweep revival across Tamworth. He might heal the sick. He might have breakthrough in your finances. He might give you God-based dreams that just blow your mind when you look back, when you mark it and you move on. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.